I'm one of those members of the Air National Guard that will not be receiving the vaccine. So our numbers for national readiness will go down because I'm not an experiment. I'm not a guinea pig. Deadline for the Air Guard to be vaccinated against COVID set by the Pentagon is today, of course, as we've reported extensively. Governor Kevin Stitt uh, saying the Guard here does not have to be vaccinated, and that's led to this standoff between the governor's office and the Pentagon. And joining us live on the KRMG Morning News is Oklahoma Senator James Langford. Senator Langford, good morning. Hey, good morning to you, and the governor is right on this one. Well, uh, okay, where does this go? What, what happens next? Enlighten us. So I was actually on the floor of the Senate last night until very late, uh, working on this exact issue, trying to bring an amendment to the National Defense Authorization to be able to force the Pentagon to do something crazy, just follow the law. Uh, the law itself and what's called Title 32, and that's what all of our National Guard are, are actually paid with and all the rules for them are underneath that, uh, says that if the uh, federal government at the Pentagon doesn't think that the state is actually following the rules, then they can cut off funding to the state, but they cannot cut off funding to individual members of the Guard. Uh, that is very, very clear. And what the Pentagon is doing right now is trying to reach into the Guard and trying to cut off pay and benefits for individual Guard members. They do not have the ability to do that. And uh, so we were fighting last night on the floor. Democrats blocked me. Uh, I had late night uh, conversations with Democrat leadership last night. Uh, they continue to be able to work through this because this is not just our Guard members in Oklahoma. This is every our Guard member in Air Guard member in the country that as of today will face this if they've not been vaccinated. And the crazy thing on top of it is, as strongly as I disagree with all of the vaccine mandates, this one's even worse because your Army National Guard members, their deadline for vaccination is the 30th of June. But if you're an Air National Guard member, it is the 2nd of December. I'm glad you brought that up because I was I was going there. What What is the sense in that? Oh, there's no sense in that. I've talked to the Pentagon leadership. I've been back and forth with National Guard leadership. They just said that there are more medical folks that work for the Air Force. And so they did, the, they did it faster for the Air Force. Really what it is is the right hand wasn't talking to the left hand, and they set two entirely different dates. And uh, we're working to be able to get the Air Guard date moved back to June uh, to give them additional time and while we're still trying to fight to get rid of these mandates entirely. Uh, but uh, Governor Stitt is absolutely correct. Uh, the, um, the Pentagon does not have the authority, while the National Guard is under the authority of the governor to be able to demand of them those things. And they certainly don't have the legal authority to be able to cut off funding from individual members. So is this going to court next? How does this get settled? So uh, we're going to continue to be able to fight it here. I'm going to continue to be able to work with Pentagon leadership to be able to wake up and say, we do see the law. We're very clear on it. You're trying to be able to push this. Uh, you can't push it that way. So we'll continue to be able to push back on it. I'm continuing to be able to work to build some Democrats uh, that will actually read the law as well and will follow through on this. And then we'll keep trying to be able to push to be able to get a break in this in the legislative branch and in the Pentagon. In the meantime, there will probably be some legal suits on this, though I would tell you people are very shy to be able to actually bring litigation uh, when they're in the military and how that actually handles. So they go through the military process, and uh, we'll see if the Pentagon actually holds true on this and starts cutting off pay and benefits to individuals this weekend. I don't think that you would find fault with me characterizing one of your core value, if not the, the value at the center of your political life, being pro-life, being fighting yeah. for the unborn. Uh, you certainly have been out front doing that this week as the Supreme Court considered this case out of Mississippi. And as we listened yesterday, which was very interesting, 
as we listened, the six conservative justices did seem to indicate that they're going to uphold that Mississippi law. Do you think we're on the verge in June of seeing the overturning of Roe v. Wade? Yeah, I pray that we are, actually. And I don't mind being described that way. I think uh, from our Declaration of Independence, we have the uh, this great benefit of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's kind of tough to do uh, liberty and the pursuit of happiness if you don't even have life in this perspective. Uh, that a woman can choose to be able to kill her child if she chooses to, and that's her own decision. I just don't get that because uh, I look inside the womb and every bit of science looks inside the womb, sees those cells that are dividing is different than any other cell in that woman's body. That's not a tumor developing. That's a child that's developing. And I think that changes everything when you're dealing with a child. And so this has been a very big deal to me. The judges that we select, we never know for those justices what direction that they're going to go on the issue of Roe v. Wade. All that I ask them is to actually follow the law. And when Roe v. Wade was done in 1973, uh, that particular ruling from the Supreme Court invented out of whole cloth this perspective of viability that states couldn't protect children until actually they were viable. Uh, There's nothing in law that says that anywhere. So they literally invented that. That's one of the great frustrations that we don't want courts to actually just invent the law. So I, I I did listen to the arguments. I was very engaged in the debate. I'd written an amicus brief to the Supreme Court uh, for them to be able to actually go through this. I was on the floor making the legal argument the day before the case. I was there with students uh, overnight on um, uh, Tuesday night before this uh, that were out in front of the Supreme Court. And I spoke out in front of the Supreme Court yesterday after the uh, oral arguments were finished. But yes, this this is a big issue. And I do think that they're going to overturn Roe v. Wade, which will give the authority for our state to start making decisions. It doesn't end abortion in America if they overturn Roe v. Wade. It just returns it to the state, just like our homicide laws or all state laws. Our abortion laws would also be state laws, and it would be different in New York and California than it is in Oklahoma, Kansas, and Arkansas. What provisions do your beliefs make for rape and incest in those cases? Yeah, that, actually, this is the same as it would be in every single state. Uh, every single state would actually debate this out. So it wouldn't be up to the federal legislature to decide that. It would be our state legislature that would actually work through that and be able to have that debate. Right. I'm, I'm uh, asking that, about your personal beliefs. What what accommodation do you make for rape and incest in the case of rape or in the case of well, abortion? Well, I can say what we already do on this. Uh, the Hyde Amendment uh, that is in the federal government, what we already do is we give an exception for rape and incest. Uh, that has been true for, since 1976, and it's been one of the areas that I've fought to be able to protect uh, is that Hyde Amendment protections. But again, every single state's going to do it. Mississippi may stick with their 15 weeks. that They say 15 weeks. Our state may say at conception. Uh, New York and California may say uh, 10 minutes before birth. Uh, but it's, it will be up to each individual state to be able to have that argument. And that's where the argument should be, uh, where all voices are actually heard and you actually go through the debate, make the decision of what your state is going to do on, the, on protecting the life of children. We're uh, getting, do you mind taking a couple of open mic questions from listeners? No, I don't mind at all. Here we go. This is Dean from Tulsa. I would like to ask the senator about uh, his stance on uh, federal criminalization of marijuana. Oklahoma has made medical marijuana the law of the land. Where do you think it's going federally? Yeah, I, I can't tell where it's going federally. I really thought by the end of the year there would be a vote on marijuana legalization. Chuck Schumer had mentioned that. But I think he's so botched the schedule that he's run out of time to be able to deal with here at the end of the year uh, on marijuana legalization. I think long term, that's where we're going to go is marijuana legalization. I would tell you, I won't support it when we get there. 
Uh, I just don't see a, a greater benefit that's actually happening. I, I think it's hard for Oklahomans now to look around and say, gosh, our state's getting so much better that we've got so much cannabis on the streets and we continue to be able to deal with some of the cultural issues that are there and the economic issues. Now, I'm aware I'm in a minority. There's a lot of folks that uh, that disagree with me on that. I'm respectful of them. I just, as a former youth pastor, I've yet to have a situation where I dealt with a family over the years uh, where I said, what would really help this family a whole lot more? And for this teenager, what would really help them is if their parents smoke more marijuana. Uh, I just never had that situation. And uh, so I'm, I'm very passionate about our families and what we can do to actually protect our families. The potential shutting down of the government, you mentioned who would be to blame. I think it would be better stated who would we thank? <laughs> well, okay, if that's your sentiment, we're only going to get the weekend off, it sounds like. But uh, do you predict there will be a shutdown this weekend, and who is to blame? And, you know, I, I, I can't tell at this point if, if it's as crazy as that uh, to be able to say when we're just a few days away. Uh, there's a lot of conversations still dealing with the government shutdown. The most basic principle in this is there's a whole lot of us that are focused on how do we get rid of these vaccine mandates? And uh, Mike Lee has stepped up and said, I want to vote dealing with vaccine mandates. It's the same vote we've already had. Democrats voted in lockstep with President Biden uh, supporting the vaccine mandates. And Republicans voted all together to say, no, we, we don't need to have mandates. And uh, so Mike Lee wants to have that vote again before we actually move to the continuing resolution. And so he's blocking everything until we actually get that vote. And we'll see who blinks in the days ahead. Uh, as we go through the next 48 hours. Senator, thanks as always for your time this morning. We'll talk to you again soon. Look forward to it. Oklahoma Senator James Langford.